Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome once again to Motivation with a Purpose on this Friday morning, December 13th, 2013. I'm Rich Hallstrom and my co-host Zeke Bambolo is once again right by my side. It's another exciting episode of Motivation with a Purpose where we seek to inspire people to live and work with purpose every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Talk Zone, your home for motivation with a purpose. Zeke, how are you doing this morning? Well, it's that, it's that time of the year, man. It's the Christmas time, and uh, uh, things have been well, and so I am doing good. And we took the kids over to school this morning and had a, one, a wonderful time there, and now it's time to get to work here and uh, have a wonderful conversation that our, our audience and our guests can take a word or two of uh, knowledge from. But uh, most of all, I thank God for his provision and uh, his glory, man. It's, a, it's just a lovely, relaxed day. Hey, I am looking forward just like you to the holiday season. And as we know... Uh, buying those holiday gifts and having a little bit of expertise always helps. And, uh, today's show is a kind of a unique show, Zeke, I think. Um, we are going to be talking about the Made in the USA Foundation, which is helping to promote American products both domestically and internationally. Joel D. Joseph, the chairman for the Made in USA Foundation is uh, with us today, and it should be a fascinating conversation as we talk about American-made products and the real impact they have on our economy and the world around us. Indeed, man. I, I have frequently, you know, walk by stores. Uh, sometimes, I've even, I think I even remember a store in the mall uh, called Made in USA, which I don't know if this is part of Joel's uh, program, but I frequently uh, see these, these labels. And it's interesting, interesting to hear that there is a foundation uh, of this nature designed to do just this. I'm, int- I'm just intrigued and I'm excited by hearing about that. But more importantly, that's a topic that has been very hot for a long time about the influx of foreign-made goods and everything and uh, how that has impacted our economy and the work market and everything else. So this is much, much bigger a topic that you've brought to bear here at Rich than most would imagine for such a time as this. Yeah, I I think this is going to have a lot of different interesting facets to it, and we'll find out the importance of the American manufacturing uh, business as it as it relates to our economy, and I think there are some fascinating figures and facts that uh, Joel will bring up to our attention that may change our minds because in a lot of ways, you know, I don't think people see us as a manufacturing country anymore. Uh, they see us more of us as a service-based country, um, a lot of other different uh, jobs and entities are taking over the economy, uh, obviously a lot of technical jobs, uh, but even technical jobs do have a manufacturing component to them, and I think it's just going to be an overall interesting conversation, and we'll learn something today as we head into the holiday season, and we want to also remind you to stay in touch with us several different ways, by our Facebook page, MWP Radio AM. Motivation with the, and MWP Radio Man on Twitter. And then if you're looking for a great place to advertise and inspire people to live and work with purpose, we want to remind you to contact Motivation with the Purpose Radio and find out about advertising possibilities so your message can be heard every week on the Motivation with the Purpose radio show right here on Talk Zone. Let's get to our special guest, Joel D. Joseph, co-founder of the Made in USA Foundation. The Made in USA Foundation started in 1989, and then in 2007, Mr. Joseph moved the foundation to Los Angeles. He is currently Chairman and General Counsel of the Foundation. He earned his law degree at Georgetown University Law Center in Washington, D.C. in 1973 
and earned his BA in economics at Northwestern University. And with that, it is my pleasure to welcome Joel D. Joseph, co-founder of the Maiden USA Foundation, to the Motivation with a Purpose microphones. Joel, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Joel, let's get right to it and let's talk about those beginning days of the foundation and what inspired you to start the foundation? How did it all come about? Well, I, I studied economics at Northwestern and uh, I think you're in Illinois right now. Is that right? Uh, actually, our studio, our technical studios are in Illinois, but Zeke and I are out here on the West Coast in okay. Seattle, Washington. All right. Anyway, um, I come from the Midwest, from a manufacturing family, and when I studied economics, I felt that if we lost our manufacturing base, that we were pretty much doomed as a nation. And we have been losing our manufacturing base, but in the last couple of years, it's starting to come back. So I, I'm optimistic about the turnaround. We've worked for uh, a decade to get Apple computers to come back to the U.S., the original Apples, the Apples 1 and 2 and the first Macs were made in California. And uh, when Steve Jobs left the company, the um, manufacturing of Apple computers went offshore, but now they're starting to bring it back. They're going to have two plants, one in Arizona and one in Texas, and uh, they're going to make iMacs. So um, part of the importance of buying made in the USA, and we, we've done a lot of studies on this, is most people in this country have realized that the difference between rich and poor is really getting bigger and bigger. There's more inequality in this country. And there's a direct correlation between our loss of manufacturing jobs and this new inequality in the United States. And as we bring manufacturing jobs back, hopefully that inequality will uh, lessen. Uh, Joel, thanks so much for, for giving us some insight already. And as we, as you talk there, and, uh, I know, I mean, in my, in my world, and I know we're going to be focusing more on what you're talking about, but bear with me. In my world, I know I, I would, I would say that it's much bigger than just the manufacturing. We talk about families and everything when it comes to the poverty and, and, and the, the, the rate at which the nation is, is seeing more and more of that. But I want you to sprinkle a little bit more when you are talking about it's coming back. Um, I, I really would like to, uh, you just talked about Apple and some, I mean, what about, I mean, I think a lot of times when we look at, uh, our products that we have in our home, whether, you know, cups and what have you, or our apparel, the clothes we wear made in China, those things are probably the more common thing. So you're talking about some of the bigger companies, the apples and so what are some of the other smaller, you know, apparels and so forth things that uh, when you say it's coming back, are we talking about those items as well? Or are we just talking about yeah. larger scale to the large companies? It's coming back large and small, and as people are unemployed, they are becoming entrepreneurs, some of them involuntarily, because they have no choice either be unemployed or create their own jobs. But um, American Apparel, for example, is an example of a fairly new American company that's just booming right now. Um, they're, they have 250 stores that sell only American-made apparel that's made here in Los Angeles, and um, they are one of our biggest supporters, and uh, they're a good reason. They they pay very good wages. They provide health care, and I think that's part of the new wave. Um, there have been, you know, I've been doing this for 24 years, and at the beginning, not that many people cared about it because the economy was doing fairly well. But during the Great Recession of the past four or five years, people have started to realize that there's a connection between buying imports from China and Bangladesh and other countries like that and buying domestically. And our surveys have shown that the younger generation, for the first time, is more interested in buying American products than the older generation. 18 to 34-year-old males now, according to our surveys, will spend more for American products. 80% of them will spend more to buy American products. And American products oftentimes do cost a little bit more, but we believe they're higher quality uh, the workers are paid better, and um, the in, the environmental impact is much less. You don't have to ship products 10,000 miles away um, and pollute the ocean in the process. 
Yeah. Uh, as we, as you continue to talk about that, Joe, uh, talking again about the, the beginning, the birth of your organization and the thing that drove you, like you say, you've been out at this for, it sounds like 10 years or more, which is beautiful to hear that. There's some history there. Uh, but when you talk about this, you just hinted on something that is normally the cry. And I want to look at it in two, uh, from two angles. The first thing is that, well, look, uh, for us companies who are driven to produce income and make money for our shareholders uh, is a cheaper cost. Again, that was the biggest cry. It was cheaper to go overseas because Americans, first of all, not only do, not, do they not want to work hard, but uh, it costs us so much more or it, must, it costs us so much less, if I can put it that way, to make it overseas. Uh, and so we, we've gone that route. The second part to it is, well, look, uh, you know, when I hear of a company like this, I almost think like you're anti-import. You know, how do you say about those two? What do you say about those two items? If you can pick them up one at, on a, one at a time, please. Well, first of all, I'm not anti-imports, but there's been a huge trade imbalance. We've we've had a trade deficit of over six hundred billion dollars. That's six hundred billion dollars going out of the country that's never coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if we had a trade balance, trade is fine. Uh, a lot of the things we import, though, are, are, are ridiculous. A lot of the imports are just crazy. Um, when we import bottled water from Fiji or from Europe, it doesn't make any sense. We mm-hmm. have great mountain water in the United States. When I see this on the East Coast, even more than the West Coast, we have the best wine in the world, according to blind tastings in Europe. And we're still importing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of wine from all over the country, even though you get the best wine. As you know, in Washington State, California, the wines are fantastic. There's very little reason, except for snob appeal, to import, you know, French or Italian wine. The American wines are competitive and just as good as anything from around the world. Um, Let's see. The cost differential between China and the United States is really diminished. Wages in China have been going up about 20% a year, and wages, unfortunately, in the United States have not been going up. So we are much more price competitive now with China than we ever were. And according to most of the studies that were done recently, there's one by the Boston Consulting Group, um, Bank of America also did, and the Wall Street Journal has had articles recently that American manufacturing, in fact, 2014, they say, is the year of American manufacturing. Mm. So. Even though you mentioned before that most people don't think of us as a manufacturing nation, we still manufacture more than any other country in the world. Now, some of these products are Boeing airplanes, mm-hmm. which have, of course, huge value but um, compared to uh, you know your pair of sneakers. But we still manufacture almost anything you can imagine in the United States. Joel, I want to piggyback on one of the questions that Zeke just asked you about uh, possibly being anti-import and bring up another very important issue that I know that is dear, that is close and dear to your heart. And that's fair trade versus free trade. And there's a big difference between those two. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, we've actually put together the, um, the, the fair trade bill of rights. Basically, you can't have free trade with a nation like China that doesn't have a free market. Most of the businesses, or in fact, I think a majority of the manufacturing companies in China are directly or indirectly owned by the Chinese government, the People's Liberation Army, or some other division of China. So they're not a free market nation, so there's no way you can have free trade with China. They fix the rate of exchange for their currency rather than letting it float like most of the nations of the world. So, um, And then uh, another thing is, if you don't have pollution controls in a country like China, we are getting, we are suffering on the West Coast. I don't know if you've read about this recently, but we're getting air pollution from Chinese power plants on the West Coast of the United States. Um, so the cost of production are not being reflected in the cost of the product. They're putting those costs, in economic terms, they're called externalities. So the pollution costs are being borne by people other than those manufacturing the product. So as far as we're concerned, that's not fair trade. Um, Free trade is basically to help the multinational corporations produce things with 
child labor, unfair labor, polluting uh, industries, and so forth. We're, we're in favor of fair trade as opposed to free trade. Joel, as we kind of keep talking a little bit, we've got maybe about three or four, five minutes to our first break. But I want you to start by giving us a little bit um, of the when it comes to this uh, this talk in recent years about the currency factor. You know, the, you know the, the value of the dollar. Uh, how does it impact this conversation uh, when it comes to made in made in USA? And what do you see your impact uh, as being? The, the biggest impact has been the. Um the Chinese currency, uh, which is known by a couple different names, it's known as the yuan mm-hmm. or the renminbi, um, those prices are pretty much pegged by the Chinese government. So most economists believe that their currency is undervalued. And so they're basically, that's another element of unfair trade is where the currencies aren't allowed to float. And, um, you know, if you peg your currency at too low a value, you're going to be able to export more than you should under uh, true, uh, you know, fair trade. So uh, as you, I mean, uh, I know we've been talking a bit about China here and so forth, and there, uh, there are other that are large producers. At one time, you know, the Japanese, especially with the, uh, with the uh, t- electronics, was a big factor in there as well. But as you uh, maybe tell us some of the top uh, other other uh, countries other that, that America is up against when it comes to what comes into the U.S. Uh, also, on the back end of that, can you just help us by restating your mission for Made in USA? Our, our mission is to promote manufacturing in the United States and to help ma- U.S. manufacturing companies. And we've there's so many different examples. I'll give you one. Um, American American industry basically developed the solar panel. And we have the best solar panels made in the United States. In the last couple of years, China has been manufacturing solar panels, and the Chinese government has been subsidizing them. So we joined with the solar panel and American solar panel industry um, and actually convinced the Obama administration to put what we call countervailing tariffs on these unfair imports. They were killing the American solar power industry, and now it's coming back. So, you know, a lot of these high-tech industries we've developed from start to finish. Almost every major invention of the last hundred years, from radio and television to solar panels, has been in the United States. And we want to make sure that we capitalize on our uh, inventiveness and creativity. More with Joel D. Joseph on Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, yes, yes. Good morning. And again, a Merry Christmas to you. But we are back here on Motivation with a Purpose on TalkZone.com. And as always, we have a very fascinating discussion with for you this morning. We are speaking with Joel D. Joseph. He's the chairman of the Made in USA Foundation. You know, so often we hear on the news and Fox and everybody else and CNN about this discussion of uh, the influx of foreign-made goods into our economy, uh, especially when we'll get to, I'm pretty sure, talk to Joel later about the, the automobile industry and so forth. But Joel, I want to start uh, this segment of our show by talking about the American jobs and what your foundation is doing for the improvement or the more or creation of more American jobs uh, uh, by your help here in the Made in USA Foundation. How can you help? What is, what is going on there for us? Well, uh, there's a couple things. Let's, if we talk about um, the automotive industry, you know, uh, the American auto industry was on the ropes about four or five years ago. General Motors was pretty much bankrupt, as, as was Chrysler. Mm. And um, both of those were saved. Both of those companies were saved by the federal government. Mm. And um, we we had uh, we wrote legislation called the American Automobile Labeling Act. And on the side of every new car, it will say the U.S. content, where the engine was made, where the transmission was made, and where final assembly took place. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's to give consumers information when you go in, because 
you can uh, you can buy a Toyota that's got that's made in the USA. We don't have any problem with that. There are a lot of good Toyotas and Nissans made in the United States. It's Acura's as well. We're, we don't discriminate against companies that are owned offshore as long as they they're making product in the United States. So when you you go into the dealership to look for a new car, and there's going to be about I think 14 million um, uh, cars sold in the United States this year. Um, look for the uh, made in the USA designation. Um, there are also uh, BMWs that are assembled in the United States and Mercedes-Benz as well. In fact, we've criticized General Motors, uh, particularly Cadillac and Ford Motor Company for their Lincoln because they are importing many of their cars to the United States under those brands. And most Americans consider a Cadillac to be American as apple pie, and the same with Lincoln. And um, it, it's strange that Mercedes and BMW would make more cars, more luxury cars in the United States than GM or Ford. So be careful when you're looking at the labels. But one way to do it is to look at that price sticker. It'll tell you where the, the car is manufactured and what percentage is made in the United States. Joe, what advice would you have for American small business owners? Oh, boy, that's it. You know, we work with small businesses all the time, and it's hard to give general advice um, because every industry has different problems. And we work with members in different industries, but um, we think it, they should, of course, make their products in the U.S. and put it on the label, put Made in the USA on the label if they meet the requirements for Made in the USA. So... We believe, and our surveys show, that people want to look for that Made in the USA label, so let people know. A lot of, a lot of companies make things in the United States and don't even say so on the label. Is that why you've started the retailer membership program? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. we um, yeah. Part of the problem has been the big box stores are the ones. Like Walmart, has, Walmart constitutes 10% of our trade imbalance, just Walmart alone. And Walmart, though, did recognize, and I've met with the CEO of Walmart, and I believe they're sincere about this, they want to bring $50 billion worth of product back to the United States. And uh, we're working with companies to help um, them supply Walmart. And Walmart, of course, is a tough customer. And, um, you know, it is hard for a mom and pop to supply Walmart, but some of them can. And some of our members are shipping to Walmarts right now. So Walmart was a force for the trade imbalance, but it, we think it's they recognize that people want to buy American, and they've they're working with us to bring jobs back. Now the the retailer program, um, there are a lot of small shops in the United States that uh, carry American goods. They don't have to carry exclusively, so we have a very modest fifty dollar membership fee. And they get on our website. So if somebody wants to look for America, stores that are carrying American products, they can go on the website for the foundation, which is madeusafdn.org. And it, it will locate a store or stores in your area that carry, that stock American products. We also supply these retail members with shelf cards that say which products are made in the USA and so forth. So this helps the retailer, uh, bring people into the stores, and it helps them find American products in the store. You know, um, uh, Joel, as you talk here, indeed, Rich brought up a good point where uh, the bulk of the U.S. economy, as you and I know, is in the small business uh, realm, uh, and that is so important that uh, what sometimes we will, you know, uh, how do I say jokingly call the mom and pop shops feel that uh, they have a chance in a country that uh, that that certainly wants to see them thrive at the same time these are people obviously that are uh, what they do for a lot of times may not all be the opportunity just to, to produce a manufacturer or have their hands or their business fully tied in made in USA. They have to get some of those uh, maybe a little cheaper uh, items coming from across the sea of some of some sort. So uh, I'm, I'm curious about really, you know, uh, some of the 
that are called the message that you've that you sent besides what you just told the re- other other messages that you're messages you're sending to these small business mom and pop shops as to how important what you do is for them thriving and doing well well i think the the small retailers have realized that a lot of their customers want at least the option of buying a made in the usa product mm-hmm. um, you know if you're if you're selling uh, kitchen products or or whatever you're selling there are there are great American products made in the United States. There are cheaper products made in China. And um, if you get, let, let's talk about kitchenware, like I okay. mentioned, um, you can have all clad, which is made 100% in the U.S. And then one of the oldest manufacturers in the U.S. is Lodge, and they make a cast iron set of cookware that's very inexpensive and made in the United States. And both of those um cooking accessories are um, they will last for a lifetime so they might be you might be able to get similar looking products made offshore that are cheaper but they won't last as long they won't cook as well so a lot of the stores will carry both and that's we don't have a problem with that give the consumer a choice you know if you can't afford to pay uh, $50 for a frying pan um, even though that frying pan will last you a lifetime you can have the choice to buy the uh, the nineteen ninety five fry pan as well. Uh huh. So, Joel, a, a couple of questions here at you. And uh, when we start to talk, obviously, I'm glad you use a couple of keywords right now that kind of uh, got me. I was heading down that road already, and you kind of mentioned a little bit where you're trying to allow these businesses to give the consumer options. And one of the things that has been critical uh, of, you know, the, the big companies like the Microsofts and so forth for a while, there was the threat of monopoly uh, on the U.S. economy. And so uh, are there some things that you use them simulations that you put in place with your organization to be a, a watchdog around ideas, things like that. If we're driving so much for the Made in USA, uh, and a follow-up to that question would be, um, what are your top three critics? Uh, are there anything critis- criticizing, any, any criticisms that you are receiving as a foundation when you uh, step into such a, a huge realm of restoring American-made products? Okay, I'm not sure where to start. But, Just start with the monopoly. Go ahead and start with the monopoly question. Okay, we we do participate with the Federal Trade Commission, is which is one of the federal agencies that deals with monopolies, and we think they've been ineffective in mm. stopping the monopolization. Uh, I'll give you an example with eyewear. Mm. Eyewear in this country is just dominated by an Italian-based company, Luxottica, who has bought they bought two of the top American brands, Oakley. Mm and Ray-Ban, okay. and they moved them offshore. And they, we filed complaints with the FTC, and they just ignore it. But we think the Federal Trade Commission should toughen up and look at the impact on the United States. Another one is uh, Nike bought mm-hmm. Converse. Converse mm-hmm. was made in the United States for 100 years, and mm-hmm. Nike is uh, basically one of the worst. Uh, <laughs> they're one of our enemies, if you want to talk about that, who's fighting us. They uh, they import everything, almost everything, and uh, they took a great American company, Converse, and they sent it offshore, even though it was in uh, you know making shoes in the United States for profitably for a hundred years. So there are a lot of antitrust problems that are not addressed by the Federal Trade Commission or the Justice Department. Joel, when you have conversations with companies like Nike. what are their response? What is their response? And I'll specifically ask about Nike when you bring up the Converse situation. Well, Nike doesn't like to talk to me. Put it that way. Um, basically, what they've done is they put all their money into celebrity endorsements. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. They gave Michael Jordan and uh, Tiger Woods hundreds of millions of dollars to endorse their products, and then they have them made under sweatshop conditions in China and uh, Vietnam and Indonesia. So we'd rather go with a shoe that's made in the United States. I happen to be wearing a pair right now of New Balance. Um, Not all New Balances are made in the United States, but they New Balance has the theory they'd rather put their money into the shoes, and they have six plants in the United States. But they don't pay any celebrities to endorse them. Joel, are you aware if Michael Jordan... 
and Tiger Woods are aware of these circumstances and if they and if they are have you reached out to them or tried to influence them to uh, do different things as far as their being involved yes I've actually been on national news uh, uh, with Michael Jordan and uh, you know they know about it but um Money, money is the king there, and they get paid big money, and they're not going to they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. Hmm. I mean, it's uh, I, I think again, uh, as you were saying there, when it comes to the the, the big business and uh, the critics that uh, of your organization, you know, I am I, I'm. I guess uh, I won't say necessarily speechless, but uh, but I'm I'm floored that uh, we can uh, see an opportunity. I guess to maybe curtail a situation that requires some kind of balance uh, as a culture, and yet not do a better job of, of pursuing that. Well, I, I, I if you can, uh, as we continue this conversation, um, it seems to me that. You may be up against some more specific obstacles there to your success, uh, not just from the critics of the Nikes and the big companies like that, but what can you tell us about, about other obstacles that you are engaged with as you do this battle? All right. Uh, we're involved in many battles, as I said, the solar power industry, uh, solar, solar panel industry, but we got involved in uh, country of origin labeling for food. Um, I mentioned the American Automobile Labeling Act. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wrote the Country of Origin Labeling Act. It's called COOL, C-O-O-L, uh, for food. And that's in effect now. We, we, we fought the grocery stores on it and won. Um, so when you go to the grocery store, every fresh piece of produce, meat, chicken, is all has to be marked for country of origin. And um, we are supported by the small cattle ranchers. The big cattle ranchers really don't care about it that much. There's a, a big battle that we won this year. The um, the country of Canada and Mexico filed a complaint against this law, against the United States, saying that the Country of Origin Labeling Act discriminated against Canadian beef and Mexican beef because it had to be labeled. And we thought that was ridiculous. So the it went before the World Trade Organization, which sounds like a legitimate organization, but really is not. They um, they don't have a real judiciary. What they do is they appoint lawyers from various countries to handle these disputes. And one of the lawyers who is who became a judge on the WTO panel considering this case was from Mexico. So you can't you can't have a Mexican citizen be uh, unbiased as to his own country. It was just ridiculous. So the WTO rules that our country of origin labeling act uh, violated international law, which it doesn't. Um, so we sued. We actually filed suit against the World Trade Organization and uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And what happened is we got the United States Department of Agriculture to side with us and to make the regulations regarding beef labeling even tougher. So now, if you've read in the papers in the last couple of weeks, your beef will have to say, um, it can say product of the U.S. if the cattle was raised in the United States, born in the United States, and slaughtered in the United States. If any part of it was imported, it has to say on there that it was, for example, the cattle was born in Mexico and slaughtered in the United States. It would have to say that. So that was done in response to our lawsuit and in response to the World Trade Organization's ruling that it discriminated because against those countries. Anyway, it's a big battle. It is. It is. Joel, as, as, I mean, you, you are touching on I mean, we've been talking a lot more about manufacturing apparel and so forth, automobiles, and, and I, you did bring a bit, a bit more into the, the food. And I know at a point in this country, the agricultural revolution was, was, was something that was dynamic. At least it was something that seemed to have a little bit more of that stateside flavor, you know, domestic flavor to it. And when we move into the industrial revolution, you know, a lot of things opened up. Not only was it going on here, as you're talking about some of the jobs moving offshore, but we talked 
talking about families and the impact that Industrial Revolution had on families being uh, uh, impacted by the fathers and so forth going away to work. So uh, that's, that's, a, that's a tad place, in, a little place in my heart that I want to ask you this question about uh, how do you, we're talking about businesses so far, but how does this reflect on the American family, your work? Do you see any component of your work reflecting on the American family and enhancing, not just from a consumer standpoint of buying products, but the, the actual uh, uh, enhancement of the American family as it, as it uh, relates to our, uh, our economic products and offshore. Is there any component of your work that impacts the family? Well, a- a- absolutely. You know, the, the thing that impacts the family more than anything is unemployment. I mean, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're working and you're getting paid $40 an hour to, on an assembly line and you lose your job, it desperately impacts your family. And so if we can save those jobs in the United States and create other jobs in the United States that provide uh, so that a husband or a wife can support their family, it really makes all all the difference in the world, that if they have a good-paying job. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Hmm. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking with Joel Joseph. He is the chairman of the Made in USA Foundation. We are having a wonderful time of discussing with him and learning some things about what is going on out there when it comes to keeping products American-made. Well, we are going to break right now, and we'll be right back here on Motivation of the Purpose and Joel Joseph. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we are here on Motivation with a Purpose this Friday, December 13th, and uh, we are speaking with Joel Joseph, our special guest today. He is the chairman of the Made in USA Foundation. Uh, Joel, can you give us a little bit of information about your book, 50 Ways to Create More American Jobs? You wrote a phenomenal book, and tell us a little bit about it and where our, our audience can find your book, please. Uh, the audience can find any of our books on our website, www.madeusafdn.org. And that was uh, one of the ways we started. That was published about four years ago. Uh, we still have it available. But one of the chapters was to put pressure on uh, Steve Jobs, who was then alive, at Apple Computer, to get them to bring Apple uh, back to the U.S. So we... We had his email address in the book, and tens of thousands of Americans swamped his email trying to get Apple to make computers back in the U.S. Um, I, I think that might have had some impact, but, uh, you know, if your consumers are telling you uh, that they love your computers, but you want they want them made in the USA, we think it has an impact. The, the book we're um, pushing right now, because it's timely, is the holiday, uh, All-American Holiday Buyer's Guide. And um, it's available as an ebook or paperback, and that's also on our website at madeusafdn.org. Joseph, that that Joel, that leads me into my next question. I was going to ask you about the holiday gift guide. Okay. What do you What do you like most about the gift guide, and who first gave you the idea for that? Well, um, it. It was developed by um, members of my staff. They, they thought it was important that we, um, we we have a whole series of guides on buying American. Uh, the gift guide's um, in its third year, and we keep adding products to it every year. Um, I, and I look forward to it as well. Because, for example, um, you know, Christmas ornaments, a little late to buy your Christmas ornaments now, but most Christmas ornaments are made in China, which we find to be frankly, sacrilegious. Um, so we have many different Christmas ornaments that are made in the USA in the book. Um, there are also, we added, the things that we added to the book this year um, is, the, is the Motorola X, Moto X phone. It's the first cell phone that's made in the United States in about 10 years. So um, I don't know if you know it, but Google bought Motorola 
and um, they built a brand new plant in Texas to make uh, cell phones. So uh, we think that's a really big breakthrough. It's a nice present. If you want to get somebody a cell phone, the Moto X is a good one to get. What do you think is your most unique gift within the gift guide? Oh, boy. That's, that, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough one. What, what, okay. The one I would say is our, our Grado headphones. As you know, most electronic products are not made in the United States. Right. These headphones are the most highly rated by most of the stereo magazines. You can get them for, uh, they start at like $80, and they're made in Brooklyn, New York. They're fantastic. I've got a pair myself. I, I, I wear them all the time. They're better than $200 headphones that are imported, and they're $80 headphones made in the United States. So I'd say that's one of the more unique products in the guide. Joe, um, you know, uh, like you and Rich and myself, when we get into something that we feel is a call in our lives, a lot of times we tend to be transformed by the desire, by the message, by the, the service we seek to perform. And our audience are fond of getting people, uh, they want to know the person a little closer. So give us a little bit of an idea of how this mission that you pursued with Mating USA has transformed Joe Joseph. Well, um, it's enriched me because I've got to know so many different people, and the people that are involved in manufacturing are so diverse and so interesting. Um, a lot of the companies are uh, started by, I was just talking about this yesterday, a lot of immigrants are coming to the United States and starting these great businesses. Um, we ha we've given awards to uh, Elon Musk at Tesla, and uh, Elon Musk is from South Africa, and he, you know, the Tesla is one of the, the most highly rated American cars now. It's a brand new company. Started from mm -hmm. scratch. And uh, you, there haven't been many new automotive companies in the world in the past 50 years. And so this is quite amazing that he has managed to put together an automotive company like this. I mentioned American Apparel before. Uh, Dove Charney is from Canada. Um, uh, there's a, uh, a women's clothing company called Glima. And the owner is from Israel. These are uh, people from around the world come to the United States because we still are the land of opportunity, and they start businesses. Um, another one you probably wouldn't know about or you might not have heard about is Maglite. They make flashlights, and the, um, the owner of that company is from uh, Eastern Europe. So people from all over the world come here as to the land of opportunity and start these businesses and you can they can still do it and we also you know work with a lot of mom and pop companies so the most interesting thing is are, are meeting all these diverse people from all over the country and from all over the world who've come to the United States to uh, start start a business Joel that leads me to my next question uh, do immigrants understand better this concept of made in USA as opposed to uh, regular everyday guys on the Americans on the street do immigrants understand the concept of the made in USA foundation better than Americans themselves basically what I'm trying to ask I, I think some of them do some of them appreciate you know if you're born in the United States like I I, I was um, you know some of us take America for granted for the things that we have here. And um, so I think a lot of the immigrants do appreciate um, the opportunity that we do have here, and they do appreciate Made in the USA more. Um, I, I met a Russian woman, and she couldn't believe that everybody she knew drove a foreign car. She said, what is it with the Americans? You know, don't they support their own businesses? And yeah, it is interesting to see how a foreigner will view the United States. Joel, as we come to, you know, we're inching closer and closer to the wrap up of the show, but I want you to take us a moment to 
uh, echo for us again as a, your, your, your audience right now. You have a list of items. I hope I'm not putting too much on the spot, but the principles of the foundation. Can you share some thought or some light on what those principles are and um, that we may take away as we continue to have the discussion with you? Well, I think people have to think about when you buy an American product, it's just not a product. You're buying American values. You're buying American pollution laws, American workers' rights. The Americas, uh, the workers in this country have a lot of rights that they don't have in other countries. Um, in, in China or Vietnam, the workers will actually get beaten, and a lot of them are driven to suicide because of the way that um, their work, uh, their, um, I hate to call them masters, but they are. They, uh, the, the people in those, I don't know if you've ever been to, uh, factories in these countries, and I have, they, uh, the workers have no rights whatsoever. So when you buy an American product, you are getting a whole basket of American values and American rights in that product. That basically, you know, summarizes, uh, what you're getting when you buy American. Now, Joel, I know you have some very important events coming up on the Made in USA Foundation calendar. Tell us about them. Well, every year, the biggest event we have, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll televise it this year, it's the Made in the USA Hall of Fame Awards Dinner. We consider it the um, Academy Award for American Manufacturers. And um, this year we had Ed Asner as uh our, our co-host with me, and we gave out awards to um, 22 businesses in different categories. We always give out several automotive awards. Um, as I mentioned before, Tesla, the Tesla Model S, was giving, given the award for luxury vehicles, um, and the designer of that award was at the dinner. So it was a pretty interesting dinner with a lot of different people there. Uh, we gave out awards for uh, wind, uh, wind turbines this year. We, we have it rotate around. We always give out an award or two in the uh, wine industry and in clothing, um, furniture. We try to not to ignore any aspect of the economy. Um, and there, it, we rotate those categories around. So we, we've had uh, American surfboards has been a category. Uh, American motorcycles have been a category. We had uh, two different motorcycle winners, for example. Uh, Harley Davidson was one of the winners. And then we had uh, Zero Motorcycles, which is an electric motorcycle, really state-of-the-art, made in the USA, that won uh, the – we had an electric motorcycle category. It's mm. uh, unusual, but we, we are also um, – we think buying American is buying green, because we think American industry is cleaner than industry in other countries. And when you ship products from 10,000 miles away, there is a, uh, a carbon, big carbon footprint. Let's see. Um, you know, we participate in January. Every January, there is a big gift show in Atlanta called at America's Mart. And we, have helped them put together a Made in the USA section, and we've done the same thing at the High Point Furniture Show, which is in March. So we have a whole calendar of events where we try to promote American products in different industries. Joel, you, I mean, I, I might have to connect you with a good, a good friend of mine. I'm not sure. I mean, they're a, a small American company, just a couple, two or three guys. I think they may be growing a little bit, but they, you mentioned a little bit earlier the wind turbines, and that brought that to mind that they, they're out there maintaining and so, and I wonder if they're, aware of uh, you all, and I'll have to check with him uh, and see what they're doing all over the country, a very specialized trade, but they're doing very well. Um, I am intrigued, and I would like to hear, this may be a, a little bit of a, I'm hoping it's a fun question, but a fun one for you to answer, but uh, I'm intrigued by one of your publications says, how to build and furnish all-American home. How can, I mean, what are you getting at in that uh, publication, please? And is this something that we can uh, sink our teeth through as consumers out here for, uh, obviously? Uh, what can you tell us about that? We're, we're still finishing up that book, but... The germination of that book was actually ABC Television. ABC has been doing a lot for Made in the USA, 
and they followed a builder in Montana who, mm. whose goal was to build one house 100% made in the USA. And so we teamed up with him, and we're putting together a book. It's just not how to build. It's how to build and furnish. So we mm. will have furniture in it as well, um, as well as everything, you know, American carpeting, American paint, um, American drywall. You know, there have been a lot of problems with imported Chinese drywall. And um, actually, it wound up costing the builders who use that, mostly in Florida, millions and millions of dollars because it was all contaminated uh, with bacteria and mold. So, um, you know, the, this book will go through problems like that, but it will also tell uh, consumers and builders, we're addressing it to builders as well and designers, that... Um, on how to find everything from lighting and uh, wiring. Um, everything you need to build a house can mm -hmm. be purchased in the United States, and that will help local businesses and, you know, everybody from lumber yards to uh, hardware stores, um, you know, will stock these products. Mm -hmm. Joel, I just, I just, I'm just wondering to actually hear, maybe, um, this is kind of an off the wall, but maybe not too far. You mentioned a little bit, obviously, about the cattle industry earlier. And now, you know, we talk, you talk a little bit about, uh, this home being a, a Montana thing. Do you find more of your support for what you're doing in the rural American, you know, the one, the ones that are out there and are supposed to the inner city? Is there some kind of a dynamic there that you can address with us? Well, actually, we get support from, from every state and every region, um, there is support, of course. When we do something for the cattlemen, we get a lot of support from the cattlemen. Um, when we put the Country of Origin Labeling Act together, we had it was such an interesting coalition. We had shrimpers from Louisiana and potato farmers from Idaho who probably never met each other before, but we got them all backing this uh, legislation, which had one common purpose. So... You know, we've got a really diverse uh, coalition we've put together from all over the country, from inner cities. Um, there, there are a lot of projects, and, you know, Detroit has been really uh, a, a major disaster area of, of trade. Mm -hmm. A lot of businesses have closed, but there are new companies that are starting up in Detroit, and we're, we're working with them as well, so we're getting support there. Um, they are now making television sets in inner-city Detroit, we haven't made a television set until recently in the United States in over 10 years. And so Element Televisions, you'll see them because Walmart and Target do carry them. Mm. So it's a flat screen TV made in Detroit, Michigan. So hopefully we can help rebuild Detroit. Joel, in our remaining moments, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? That... Your listeners should vote with their wallet to bring back jobs to the United States. They can use our gift guide or just go to the store and look at the labels. Vote with your wallet. Excellent. Joel, thank you for your time, and we will be in touch once again. And once again, our guest has been Joel D. Joseph, chairman of the Made in USA Foundation. I'm Rich Hallstrom, and for my co-host, Zeke Bambola, we encourage you to buy American and tune in to Motivation with a Purpose each week right here on Talk Zone.